This episode of the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast is sponsored by Katrina Burke Coaching, helping caring professionals create a life of balance and flow. Katrina has a range of programs available for teachers and school leaders. So for more information, go to katrinaburkecoaching.com.au. This is the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast, a weekly show to help you prioritize your health, happiness and well-being so that you can thrive in the classroom and in life. I'm your host, Ellen Ronalds Keane. Enjoy the podcast. teachers. Just a quick intro for you today. Uh, I have a couple of announcements and then I'm really excited to share this interview with the lovely Kelly Hine of Body and Soul Retreats. Uh, So first up, I'm running another webinar, the second in the Preventing Burnout series, and this one is about managing stress. And it's very relevant to this episode because Kelly and I talk about some really beautiful ways to manage stress. Uh, and so in the webinar, I'm going to dive a little deeper into that and into the nervous system and how that all works um, so that you really have a great understanding of how stress actually shows up in the body and and what the link between stress and burnout is and what you can do about that. So if you really enjoy this episode um, and you really get a lot from it, I, I think that you'll get a lot from the webinar as well. I'd love for you to join me. It's on the 8th of May. That's a Tuesday night at 6 p.m. And you can sign up at www.selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash webinar. And uh, yeah, I think if, if this episode really resonates with you, then the webinar is definitely going to resonate with you as well. Um, another quick shout out to my wonderful patrons, Kirsty and Jane. Thank you so much for your support. And for everybody else, uh, remember that podcasts are free to listen to, but not free to make. So by supporting me through the uh, Patreon platform, it just really shows that you support the show and, and helps it to continue. Um, the patrons also get access to some exclusive rewards, including the quarterly prize draws uh, and discounted coaching sessions. And the next prize pack will be drawn in early June. So uh, jump on board. You can go to patreon.com forward slash self-care for teachers to be eligible for that. And speaking of the coaching sessions, remember too that I also offer a range of personal coaching options via Skype or Zoom calls. So you can do them from home uh, and wherever you are in Australia. And so that includes uh, short and sweet accountability coaching sessions to keep you on track to reaching your goal or more in-depth life and well-being coaching packages to help you create more health, happiness, and well-being in your life. Uh, so I will be having a price rise as of the 1st of July, 2018, uh, but I have some slots available for coaching packages beginning late May, early June uh, at the current price. So if you are interested, please do book a discovery call with me in the next couple of weeks to see if coaching is a good fit for you. And you can do that at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash coaching. All right, on to this week's beautiful interview with Kelly Hine from Body and Soul Retreats. Kelly has a background as an early childhood educator and a university lecturer, and she now runs retreats, is a Reiki master, mindfulness, meditation, and self-love teacher. She has an online membership community called Soul Space, which delivers weekly soul-nurturing mini retreats that blend the best of science and spirituality for a happy, peaceful, and meaningful life. And I have been on the receiving end of 
uh, some of Kelly's meditations at a retreat and it is just beautiful. I highly, highly recommend her work. Um, and in this episode, I, I, I really, I really resonated with, um, Kelly's story in this episode. She actually describes her younger self as a workaholic, insomniac, overthinking, stresshead warrior. That's W-O-R-R-I-E-R, not W-A-R-R-I-E-R, who loved her job, but just ate, breathed and slept work. She didn't, you know, do anything else. And, um, and it really took its toll. And so she shares her health and wellbeing journey from there and how meditation and mindfulness really helped her heal from that overthinking, you know, insomnia and create a life of more wellbeing, which is then what she shares with others as well in her work now. So I really hope you enjoy this episode with Kelly Hine from Body and Soul Retreats. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for being on the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. How are you today? Good, Ellen. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad you're here. I'm really excited to tell your story. Um, so let's dive in. Can you tell me and the listeners a bit about your teaching background and also what you're doing with yourself these days? Sure. So I um, have been or I was an early childhood teacher for more than 20 years and um, I was, yeah, blessed to teach in some beautiful schools and um, I've taught lots of years of pre-primary and kindergarten in Western Australia, so it might be called different things in different yeah. states. <laughs> um, but anyway, teaching little kids and absolutely loved it so much. And I also had the opportunity to, um, in, in the latter years of my teaching career, to um, also do some, some lecturing for a couple of um, the universities over here. And I really enjoyed that too, because that allowed me to work with adults, um, you know, student teachers. And I also did prac supervision for those um, universities as well. So that um, really broadened my experience and I really loved that. And now for the last uh, four or so years, I have moved away from the classroom teaching and I guess what I'm doing now really is I really Still see teaching. It. Yeah, exactly. I see it as another kind of teaching. Um, and so I started a business where I work with women predominantly, although sometimes men when I run corporate events and occasionally for some of my half-day events, but mostly with women. And I've run a lot of retreats. So running retreats for women, teaching mindfulness, self-care, self-love, um, meditation, and all that good stuff. Mm, it is good stuff. And um, we're going we're gonna to talk about that a little bit soon. And before we do, though, I'd love to hear uh, a little bit about how you found especially working with little kids, if there were any um, work-life balance challenges that you had or well-being challenges that you had, and, and if so, how you overcame them, in, you know, throughout your teaching career? Mm, not very well. <laughs> um, so, you know, and they, that saying that you, you end up teaching what you most need to learn. And I, yeah, I didn't have good strategies back then. I was um, a, a workaholic, an insomniac, um, a stress head. I, I loved my job. I was passionate about it, but I was very imbalanced. You know, I just worked, I, I almost lived, ate, 
you know, eat, breathe and sleep work, except when my kids came along and I reduced my teaching to part-time, um, then I wasn't able to put as much time into the teaching, but I still, still put a lot of time and then juggling the family. And then what I found was that that's all okay when everything's smooth sailing, but in life, it never stays like that, right? So we have, yeah, yeah so stuff comes along, hip- hiccups, whether it be, you know, health issues or somebody else's health problems or um, just, and, and even just the way that I operated in my head so much as such an overthinking stress head worrier, you know, that's going to take its toll and it's going to catch up with you. And it certainly did with me. And then, um, my husband ended up having, well, we, we ended up finding out that he had very serious mental health issues that kind of surfaced gradually over time and then suddenly got really bad. And the toll that all of that took on me was, was really bad. So someone who was already that stress head insomniac, you know, went from, from bad to worse. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't have good strategies back then. And, I ended up uh, really it was my intuition, which the old me didn't know how to tap into my intuition at all. And now, <laughs> now I kind of teach about this stuff, but it really was following this gut feeling that there's something else I'm meant to be doing. I was still, I was loving my teaching, but I started to feel like there's something else. I wasn't feeling as passionate about the teaching anymore and I couldn't put my finger on what it was. And so I um, had some long service leave and did some soul searching and I'd already just started on this journey of um, learning to meditate really because I knew I had to. I had to I had to find a way to um, reduce the stress that I was feeling and the insomnia. So that's what I've ended up, you know, teaching and helping others with. Yeah, it's been almost a healing journey for you. Absolutely, you know, and continues to be, yeah. Um, so let's talk about now uh, what those practical strategies are and and I know that mindfulness and meditation um, are huge topics and, and intuition, as you mentioned, huge topics and we, we probably won't be able to cover, we definitely won't be able to cover the whole topic today, but if you could give my listeners um, just a taste of what mindfulness and meditation is and, and why it's so powerful and important. Yeah, sure. I'd love to. So um, mindfulness is like, if you can think of it as like the umbrella and meditation is one way of being mindful. When we say meditation, we usually are referring to the, the practice of mostly sitting down, eyes closed and focusing on one thing. Um, a lot of people tr say that they've tried it and they fail because they think it's about stopping thinking or turning off their thoughts, which it's not. That's You, you might get to that eventually um, or have moments of that non-thinking, but the aim is really simply focusing on one thing. And so that's, so meditation is one way to be mindful, but that broader um, mindfulness can be meditation and it can also be done anywhere, anytime with your eyes completely open. And so mindfulness is the practice of being in the now or being present um, without judgment. As soon as we start 
judging what is happening now, then we're no longer being mindful. And so another way of saying it is it's it's paying close attention to what is happening in the present moment without wishing it were different, without judging. Just observing. Yeah. And the, the observing can be what's going on around you with all of your senses, or you could be focusing on, you know, one or two senses, you could, or you could be focusing on what's going on within you. So you might be noticing your breath, you might be noticing the, the sensations in your body, how, how your energy is feeling in your body. You could be noticing the, you know, the outside of the, your body, like the temperature of your skin and the feeling of, of the seat under you or the floor um, under your feet. You know, so or it could be a combination of of focusing within and around you. So it could be one or the other or both, and it's simply paying close attention. And as I, you know, it, as I often say, it is a it is a practice. So um, it's not necessary to, or we mustn't think that we've we've got to just stop thinking. And if we go off into our heads, that oh, we're not doing it. We we've failed. It's a practice. And so as soon as you notice that you've, you've gone off into your thoughts, you simply come back. And there are many ways that you can, um, many points of focus or anchors, I like to call them. So one of the most um, common and and simple ones is the breath. So you could use the breath as your anchor. And every time you notice you've gone back into thinking, you simply anchor back to noticing, paying attention to the breath. Mm. I um I know that I'm a fairly auditory learner and I find noticing what I'm what I can hear the sounds inside the room and outside the room that's that's the one that I find works for me really well. Um and I like what you said about it being mindfulness being an umbrella and that uh there are many ways to practice mindfulness and meditation is one of them but it's not the only one because I think that's important and one of the things I'm always saying to people is that you know, health and well-being is not a one-size-fits-all. It, 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 what works for the person next to you in the staff room might not work for you or vice versa or what worked for you last year might not feel good this year. So, you know, it's good to to pay attention that way and, and figure out what does work for you. It's a bit of trial and error sometimes, isn't it? Absolutely. And, yeah, I've found that some people love, for example, a – a body scan meditation. So they listen to a guided meditation where someone's talking them through, you know, focusing on parts of the body one after the other. And then other people go, oh, I find that one so hard. I just keep getting distracted. And other people find it the most easy. So yeah, we all, as, as we know, as teachers, we have different learning styles. Um, and so yeah, we've got to honor that. But I guess one of the most important things that I know I didn't learn growing up, but thank goodness, you know, it's changing and kids are starting to learn this now is that you are not your thoughts. You can calm your thoughts. You can question your thoughts and you can change your thoughts and you can be the observer of your thoughts rather than feeling like you are your thoughts and you're, you know, as if your thoughts control you. And that's definitely how I used to feel as if I felt like often I felt like I was my thoughts and I felt like they just controlled me and I felt trapped in my head. That's really powerful. You are not your thoughts. Just that right there. That's very, very 
uh, powerful. Uh, and I think I, I agree with you. I think it is changing, and we are starting to see, you know, programs in schools that teach various aspects of mindfulness or meditation, or um, you know, that understanding of the way thoughts work and the fact that yeah, we we can challenge them. We don't have to believe them. You don't have to believe everything you think. Yeah. And, and one of the most important reasons why we need to know that is because, you know, the typical human thinks tens of thousands of thoughts every day, and for, for the average person, most of those thoughts are negative. We have a negativity bias. Um, that's just the way that we are wired. But it doesn't have to stay that way. That's the good news. Um, and the practice of gratitude is, is ties in so beautifully with mindfulness. They just come, they just go hand in hand. Um, as soon as you start practicing present moment awareness, or in other words, mindfulness, Gratitude just comes so easily and so naturally, which helps us to counteract that negativity bias. And, and the other thing about our thoughts is that those tens of thousands of thoughts, most of which are negative, are mostly repetitive. So we don't have that many original thoughts. We just keep thinking the same old rubbish over and over. And, and most often it's not really helpful to us. And so the mindfulness makes us or allows us to become aware of that and to do something really beautiful so I love the way mindfulness is it, it not only it makes our life so much richer and more pleasurable and more enjoyable really allowing us to just enjoy the beautiful wonderful amazing things that are there for us in everyday life that mostly go unnoticed and unappreciated just because we're stuck in our heads. We're not being yeah. present. We're somewhere we're stuck in our phones. Yeah. We're off somewhere else in our heads, you know. And and on on the other side, mindfulness really is the best answer that I know to counteract stress and pain and um, all the challenges and all the hard stuff that comes along. So mindfulness is the best thing for just enjoying your life and enjoying all the wonderful things that life has to offer and for handling the challenging stuff. Yeah, because you can kind of, if you can be aware of the present moment, you're also aware of it passing so you know that, you know, this too shall pass. The pain, the challenges, they're not going to last forever. But also that's true for the good stuff too, so really savour it when it's there. Mm, mm. It's, it's just such a gift when you start to, it, it is simple. It's such a simple practice, but what makes it not easy is simply the fact that we, it's not a habit. We're not used. We're so used to being in our heads and in our minds and, in, and sort of just allowing the subconscious, mostly, mostly subconscious thoughts to just rule the show. Yeah. And something that, um, that I've heard teachers say before is that, well, yeah, meditation's great, but, you know, I'm so busy in the classroom all day. I mean, I can't stop and meditate for 10 minutes in the middle of a lesson with my students. Uh, but, that, but the best thing about mindfulness is you don't have to, it's just a moment. You exactly. don't have to stop doing what you're doing. You can do it in class. Nobody has to know that you're being mindful, you know, <laughs> um, and, and it can really help in those moments where you might be feeling very, I've certainly found those moments, you know, where it might be particularly with behavior challenges was when I found mindfulness super helpful because it just helped me go, okay, 
just take a moment. Don't, you know, don't let the the frustration run away with you with, with the, whatever this student is doing that is I'm trying to manage their behavior. Mm. It just stop, take a breath. Yes. Okay. And respond rather than react. Exactly. And and what you're doing is you, mindfulness it creates that space, the space between the stimulus and the response. Because when we just go in, when we just react, um, we usually feel bad after because it wasn't really coming from our true, um, the, the way that we would really want to, to respond. And reacting is about just allowing that fear-based response to just kind of blah, you know, and that's why. And so we feel, we feel out of alignment. We don't feel good about the way we reacted. And, um, so yeah, the mindfulness just creates that space so that it, and it can just be, a very, very brief moment that allows you to respond instead of react. Yeah. And so for somebody just getting started, somebody this is completely new to, what would you recommend, Kelly? Where do they start? So I'll, I'll just share a few suggestions. And as we agreed, you know, we're all different. So different ones appeal to people. So, so take what you like. So I'm going to, I'm going to uh, explain a few really simple ways that you could take a mindful moment. And, and I use all of these. <laughs> so, um, so one of my favorites is to simply bring my awareness into my feet. So you can do that right now when you're listening, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, just become aware of your feet and really feel them. So I don't mean touch them. I mean, just notice them with your, with your mind. So you are, really feeling and and you might even notice a sort of a tingly sensation as you become aware of the energy in your feet and you might notice depending on whether you've got your feet on the floor um whether you've got shoes on or not just notice the feeling without going into a story about them <laughs> or about it just notice so it's kind of like out of thinking into feeling and then um another one is and you can couple it with this. And so another one is to simply come into your breath. Become aware in this moment, moment to moment of the breath. And rather than trying to manipulate your breath, simply notice your in and your out breath, particularly in your diaphragm, in your abdomen, and notice the feeling of the air as you breathe it in through your nostrils and out again and notice that perhaps the air feels a little cooler on the inhale, warmer on the exhale. And then, as I said, you can combine it with the feet, uh, awareness of feet if you want to. You could imagine that you're breathing down into your feet. Imagine that you're just, just breathing that air into your feet. And one of the reasons I love the feet one is because mm. the feet is as far away from your head as you can get in terms of the body. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a great one to do if you're feeling really in your head and you need to just ground yourself and come out of your busy mind and just feel into your feet and or feel into your breath. The feet one is also one of my favorite things. If I'm feeling like my thoughts aren't switching off in the night, if I'm feeling like I'm having trouble getting to sleep, I, I focus on my feet for as long as I possibly can and that's usually the last thing I remember as I drop off to sleep. Um. Oh, that's a really good tip because I know that lots of teachers listening 
do struggle with falling asleep at night. So I actually think that's a really good point. It, often when we are, you know, tired but wired, we're, we're tired but we can't fall asleep because those thoughts won't switch off. It's actually, as you said, bringing ourselves out of that busy mind thinking and focusing on something else, but it doesn't require you to get up and, you know, get out of bed. You can just do it silently there thinking about your feet. And when you just said that before, you know, I did it and I was like, oh my goodness, I can't remember the last time I thought about my feet. Yeah. And pe- <laughs> people are amazed. I often, you know, when I run workshops and and any sort of, you know, retreat or gathering and I'm teaching these basic skills is sometimes people have almost got their, their jaw dropped open because they can't believe how amazing it feels and how simple it is. And it's like you can read people thinking, why haven't I known this all my life? Um, yeah. And another one is just to simply tune into your body as a whole. Um, and in, in particular, I would say sort of from the throat down through the abdomen because this is the, the main part of the body where you're going to be feeling emotion um, in the body. And if, you're, if, you've, if something has triggered you to feel stressed, then by becoming aware of the feeling, the, the physical feeling of that emotion in the body is so much more effective than trying to work it out at the level of mind because for, for whatever stressed you, you will have an unlimited number of thoughts around that and they just go on and on and on and, and often sort of get worse. Whereas if you simply come out of thinking, drop your awareness into the body. And so again, if you're listening, you know, do this now. It, even if you're driving, it's okay to do this because it's about just noticing. And I know when we're driving, we're usually off in our heads so much, um, you know, in our subconscious mind, but you can simply become aware of um, your body, your physical body, while you're doing anything, you know, notice what you're feeling. And that kind of leads me to uh, talking about driving, you know, being mindful when you're driving. When was the last time you really felt the, the wheel in your hands? When did you really become aware of the feeling of the seat under you? And I, and I love just just doing this when I'm driving because driving is one of the most classic things where we just, you know, we, we end up somewhere and go, I don't, who drove the car? I don't even yeah, remember. How did, I get here? Yeah, how, how did I get here? And so it's a great it's one. So to automatic. Practice. Yeah. Maybe, maybe sort of practice at the first, when you first get into the car and, you know, feel the seat, feel the steering wheel. And, and just please remember that it's a practice. So it is normal for you to keep going back into your head and keep going back into your thoughts. So the idea is to have this, you know, toolkit of strategies and in particular, you know, you some favorite ones that you can do, even if you just use the same one over and over, even if for you, you just say, I just love noticing my breath or I love dropping into my feet or noticing my body or looking around me and paying close attention to what I can see around me in this moment without, without labeling, without uh, judging it, without going into a story. And as soon as I do start going into a story, I anchor back to paying close attention in this moment, moment to moment. And so, yeah, if you have, if you have this sort of, these strategies or a strategy that you can keep coming back to whenever you remember. And I really recommend having little tools to help you remember and little 
little cues and little anchors. And for me, one of the best ways to remember was that I simply started to associate stress and the feeling of stress and anxiety. I associated that with the belly breathing. So breathing into my belly and learning how to do the diaphragmatic breathing, which is when you you breathe into your belly and allow your belly to expand as you inhale. Rather than, you know, in the Western world, we often learn to suck in our bellies. And so when we say take a deep breath, everyone kind of sucks their belly in. And that's, <laughs> yeah, and that's the opposite of being relaxing. Our breath is this tool that's available to us all of the time. And it's, it's so amazing to calm you, but only if you if you do it in that way. So if you take a deep breath and you're sucking your belly in, you're doing it wrong. You've been breathing wrong. <laughs> um, so again, just now you might want to practice this just as you breathe in, allow your belly to fill with air, to expand like a balloon. It might just do it just ever so gently, but it expands on the inhale. So it's like you're blowing up a balloon. And then when you the belly goes slightly in. So I started to associate that practice as my go-to strategy whenever I felt stressed or anxious. And so it, it was easy for me to remember because I, of that, I, that association that I created. Mm, I, I, I like that. And I think um, a couple of other anchors that, or um, you know, triggers that people could use as an association um, would be, for example, the school bell. Every time the school bell rings throughout the day, oh, that's my that's my little signal to take a couple of big, deep breaths. Yes. Or you can even do this with your class. I mean, yes. it, especially young kids. I mean, once you get into the high school age, they, they can be a little bit more like, oh, why do we have to do this? But certainly with the younger kids, and it's possible also with the older kids, you can use an app like um Katie, who was one of my previous guests, talked about using apps in the class like the Smiling Mind um, app so that she could actually do the mindful ex- mindfulness exercises with the class. She wasn't having to run it because, of course, if you're running the lesson or running the activity, you're in a different kind of headspace to when you're participating. So she was using an app so that she could actually be the participant just like the students were. Um, but there are loads of ways throughout the day at school to just just build this in, you know, a moment here, a moment there. It doesn't have to be a 30-minute meditation at a time. Um, and, and I really appreciate you sharing some of those really practical little strategies, Kelly, because it just breaks it down to be achievable for people. As you said, it's not about perfection. It's not about reaching some state where we don't think at all. It's about just observing and coming back to that breath or coming back to that our feet, whatever our whatever our anchor point is, isn't it? Mm. And other, you know, another cue could be your drink bottle or your cup of tea, um, and and maybe put a put a sign. I, I've even seen, um, yeah, I was going to say put a sign on your drink bottle or write something on it. You know, yeah. like come back or be here now or you know whatever you like. Um, but I've seen um, it was quite a while ago. I came across online. I saw some drink bottles that had. I think it had timers attached and a bell, a mindful bell would go off so often so that it would not only remind you to drink the water but also help you to, you could combine that with having a mindful moment. And so if if it is your drink bottle, um, every time you take a sip of water, you come back to the present and you'd be really aware of the feeling of 
of drinking the water and maybe also take a moment to, to become aware of your breath and just, yeah, it can be a few seconds each time. The, the key is that you make the commitment to this as a lifelong practice that will make your life so much better. It just, you know, it's just the, the way we need to live. A good life is is being present for most of it. And, and more and more these days, we're, we're, well, rather, we are less and less present um, than ever before. And so, yeah, to, to enjoy the good things and to manage the difficult things, it's just absolutely the way to go. Yeah, and it, and it helps interrupt those thoughts when they are kind of going round and round in negative circles, just interrupts that pattern. So you, you give, give the mind something else to do so that you can come back to the moment and come out of that stressful pattern of yeah. thinking. And what I wish someone had said to me back when I struggled so much with worrying and overthinking, I wish that someone had said to me that, your thoughts aren't that important. <laughs> we, we like, okay, thinking is really important. That's not what I'm saying. But I, what I'm saying is that that our basic, that process of overthinking things and trying to work everything out in our minds is we, we need our thoughts for sure, but we, we, th- we give our thoughts way too much importance and we don't question them enough and we don't realise that we can calm them and that, yeah, most of the thoughts are not that important. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that um, we don't have to take them as seriously. We don't have to believe everything we think. Yeah. Powerful. Well, what a beautiful place to wrap this up because, I mean, we could go on all day, uh, but we don't have all day. <laughs> I, I could absolutely talk about this stuff all day and I could continue well, you do. strategy. That's I know I do. Say. That's why I do it because <laughs> I love it so much, yeah. <laughs> Tell the listeners where they can find you and connect with you online, especially if they are in Western Australia and they, they'd love to go to one of your retreats uh, or I know you have some other online offerings. So tell people where they can find you, Kelly. Sure. So... My website is bodyandsoulretreats.com, retreats with an S at the end. And I'm transitioning over to a new website, kellyhine.com. And so if, if you just go to kellyhine.com now, you will simply see a lovely um, gift, a giveaway that um, you can get just by giving your email address. And that is a 20-minute long meditation made easy video that you know, as a teacher, I can't help myself, but wanting to make these things easy because with meditation, people think it's hard. And, and so I really teach in that video what I wish I, you know, someone had taught me so that I didn't have to struggle with it for so long. And I also give in that a um, five minute express meditation download. So it's a guided meditation, which is the easiest way to start meditating is with guided meditation. So that's just a five minute meditation. And you can get those by going to kellyhine.com. So for my retreats and events, go to bodyandsoulretreats.com. Excellent. Well, thank you, Kelly. I will put all those links uh, in the show notes as well. And um, one last question to wrap up, what does well-being mean to you? Well-being means to me, um, it, I, I immediately think of holistic. It's very, it's, it's, Look, taking care of mind and body and spirit. And the old me only really knew 
to care for the body and the mind. And really, when we start to practice present moment awareness, we start to tap into this this amazing sense that there's something beautiful that we're tapping into and we start to really connect with our soul or our spirit. And so to me, well-being is doing whatever you do that, that lights you up, that touches your heart and soul and really nourishes the spirit and the soul, you know, as much as, at least as much as the body and the mind. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom today because it is so important that we understand this. As you said, you wish somebody had told you that you were not your thoughts. Uh, so to everybody listening, if that's the thing that you take away today, that is very powerful. But I hope that you will use the other strategies that Kelly has shared as well to uh, nourish your mind, body and soul. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed chatting with you today. I've enjoyed it too. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. If you've enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. I'd love it also if you would leave a rating and review in iTunes and share it with your friends. This really helps the podcast reach more people and together we can spread the message of teacher wellbeing to create thriving school communities. Show notes for this episode can be found at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast. You can also find me at facebook.com forward slash selfcareforteachers and on Instagram my handle is at selfcareforteachers. So come along and follow me there. 